Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You know, the funny thing is that Masha was saying, praying for my knee. Um, Anybody feel disqualified for praying for other people because you haven't yet gotten the breakthrough? Okay, three of us? Okay. Um, the, the reality is if we wait till we're perfect to pray for other people, we'll wait forever. One of the most fascinating things is there was a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth at the beginning of the 19th century, amazing man who was contending for healing when very few people were seeing healing of any kind. He saw crazy amounts of healing. The funny part is he, his wife died. He raised her from the dead. Well, Jesus did through him. And uh, later on, she died again, and this time she came back to life, and he said, stop it! I want to go to be with Jesus. (laughs) I mean, he was a man of faith, but his son-in-law traveled with him, and there was a point where he was seeing miracle after miracle, and every night he would go back, and he was passing kidney stones, night after night, in horrible, horrible pain. We can either allow what hasn't happened to devalue the word of God, or we can believe the word of God in spite of where we haven't yet seen the breakthrough. You can't have it both ways. Because at any given time, there's an area of your life you have yet to see the fullness of what Jesus paid for. Now, Jesus paid for how much? Of all. All of what? All of everything. That's pretty all-inclusive. That's like all squared. Anybody have something in your life that supposedly Jesus paid for, but the debt collectors are still coming around? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. We can either choose to be on this side of the cross and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I haven't yet seen the breakthrough, but I'm not moving. I'm not moving until I see it. All right. Come on. I would submit to you that is the gospel. I've said this before, but years ago, something the Lord said to me. um, I grew up, a, a guy who was a year behind me in school, his dad was a missions professor at the local Christian college. I later had him as a teacher. And their daughter was a nonverbal autistic person. And I remember being gripped. I was like, God, how can you reach her? And he said something to me that has stayed with me ever since. He said, the gospel is and must be simple enough that she can get it. Anybody found an extremely complicated gospel out there? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, you know, I call it the heavily redacted asterisk. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, he says all, but... Do you know what? No? You, you're, you, you build in all these little asterisks. Well, yes, but. Yes, yes, he did it all, but mm, not really. Right? Or you have to wait for the sweet by and by. I would submit to you the gospel is simple. It is we who make it complex. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only begotten son, that whosoever would get, believe in him, trust that what he did was enough, would have eternal life beginning now. In other words, connected to the source of he who is life and have enough for everything, life and godliness. All right.
Yeah. It's really important you understand that's the gospel because otherwise you'll read this book and you'll see other things in it. Instead of seeing God has done it all, you'll start to think you need to do it all. Anybody, you, you came to know Jesus and you're like, yay, Jesus, you have it all. And they're like, welcome to the work camp, right? And here's the 500 things you must do. So, and this is exactly what was happening. We're going through the book of 1 Corinthians and Paul, uh, you know, was there in the city of Corinth for a year and a half, pouring out his life amidst a, a, mot, a motley crew of people. Um, you know, years ago, we were um, ministering with orphans and kind of a house church developed around us. And we had people who were wealthy and we had people who were kids who were orphans. You know, we had the poor, the rich. And I'm like, how do I speak to them in a way that will be good for all? You know what I mean? Like, you know, some people want you to have a highfalutin intellectual language and other people, yo, what up, man, right? And I was like, how do I do this, Lord? And he said this. He said, if there's real bread on the table, the hungry will stay and the hungry will eat. And so here he is in the middle. He's got this church. He's got these, uh, these Jews, these intellectuals. He's got prostitutes. He's got sailors. He's got merchants. He's got a, just a total mess of a group of people, and he's planted this church, and then he leaves after about a year and a half, and he goes across the little Aegean Sea to Ephesus, and then he gets letters that things are not so good. Anybody, you came into the church and thought all your problems would cease, and were quickly disabused of that notion? You know, I, I've said this a thousand times, I'll say it again. Anybody discovered that as long as you avoid people, 90% of your problems go away? <laughs> but anybody tried that out and found that the 10% that remained were way worse? <laughs> and they were all yours and you couldn't blame them on anybody else? And in fact, a lot of the problems I was blaming on somebody else, when everybody was gone, they were still there, Right? And, and so he gets these messages and he writes to them and he's like, and they've got issues with some seriously messed up behaviors, but what he starts with, he goes after, he says, you guys, I hear that you guys are divided. And we talked about this, that they were divided and he only lists four groups. Considering it was a church, it was probably way more than four groups. Just saying. And uh, one of the groups, let's see, anybody remember what the, the different groups were? The people followed different leaders. Anybody remember? You get a gold star. Huh? Paul, Paul. Followed Paul, so that was good. Apollos. Christ. And Peter or Cephas. So nobody gets 100%. You all fail. I guess we'll have to go by grace. Anyway, so you got Paul, right? Paul, Paul, and we're talking about this, that... This really recognized a couple different, a couple different schools of thought. Um, anybody realize that if you read the Gospels, you rarely get the Gospel? I know this is really counterproductive, but I remember as a young believer, I was reading through the Gospels and I was waiting for the Gospel. The Gospel, I mean the good news that Jesus died for your sins. It's actually not in the Gospels. Anybody read the Sermon on the Mount and became twice the son of hell? No, you know what I mean? Like, you read it. I have a friend who decided to live by the red letters, by his own effort. In other words, live by the words of Jesus. And he, 
Turn the other cheek. Uh, give everything you have. Deny nobody anything, right? You know, it's just like anybody, it's like, yeah, cut off your hand, right? Gouge out your eye. I mean, pretty soon, you know, it makes for a weird church. You, the funny thing about the gospels is they actually don't preach the good news. The good news is actually only preached in Paul's writings. And so if you've got a bunch of people of Christ, you guys remember um, uh, that actually when Paul came to Ephesus, he, he found out that they had the baptism of John. You know what the baptism of John? The baptism of John worked really good with Jesus' teachings because it was all about repentance from sin. But it wasn't to new life. And then he said, what about the baptism of the Spirit that brings you to new life? And so the, I would submit that a lot of the, the, the teachings of Christ, they were people who were like fans of Christ. The people of, of Peter, um, Peter was a pragmatist. Who are my pragmatists? You're like, I don't care about theology. I, I know that's bad to say in a church, but, but I just want it to work, Right? And then you had Paulos, and Apollos was all theology all the time. Anybody have a friend like that? Not you. Not you. No, no. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, ah, and then, ah, 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 and they're like, you know, doing schematics of heaven, and they're, you know, the layers. And uh, Anyway, and, that, and Paul, Apollos was super intellectual. And then there was Paul. Now, Paul preached the gospel. But you know the crazy thing is, you can become a radical proponent of grace in such a way that it breeds law in other people. You have got to believe this. If you don't believe this, you're bad. Does that sound like grace? No. And so what he's saying is the real issue is that you are divided because you are following people. You're following people. You're following and you're no longer living from the gospel. You're no longer living from Christ. You're living from ideas. You're living from plans. You're living from programs. And so here's where he talks. And we, well, let's, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up chapter 3, verse 22, the very last verse. We'll start there. Or 21. We can do 21. So then, he said, because listen, listen, you know, uh, he was trying to say, he said, don't be puffed up. Don't act like you've got it all together. He said, so then no more boasting about your human leaders. Anybody here, you, you, uh, you um, okay, this is maybe a little too whatever, but you've shared a really super deep spiritual quote on your Facebook wall that you still didn't really fully understand, but it sounded really good. Okay. <laughs> Awkward. Anyway, well, no, because it... it uh, Okay, I'm, anyway, so no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. What is he saying? He said, quit running around to all these different teachers as if you don't have in Christ all things. All things, uh, all things are yours, whether the stuff of Paul, the stuff of Apollos, the stuff of Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours. Are. What tense is that, English majors? Present tense. So if all things are mine now, <clears throat> do I lack anything? I would submit to you that the, uh, the lie of lack is where it all begins. 
I loved what God was doing in our midst in the presence of God. Isn't it good? But anybody had this experience that you couldn't experience God's presence, so you thought he'd left you? And it led you to some seriously weird things? Trying to get God to come back as if he ever left? When we say come down, we say more, more. Like, I'm in the presence of Masha, but I want more. <laughs> right? It's not zero to 100. Do you understand? Okay. You have all things, so we get to unpack the all rather than as if we lack it. All right. Verse 4, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, us being all of these, y'all, the big guys, um, which, which, by the way, have anybody noticed that this whole thing, it kind of ebbs and flows? If you've been around Christianity very long, it ebbs and flows. I call it the cult of personality. You, what, what happens is we're kind of in a, in a sort of ebb where some, um, some, we had some really big name faces that everybody was retweeting, and then they fell. And everybody's like, nope, delete, 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 delete. So we're kind of on the backside of this where, where everybody's like, I'm with this pastor. I'm with that pastor. I'm retweeting this thing, right? And then they st we realize that they are just men and they don't have it all figured out. And then we kind of go to another where it's just, we, we, don't, we don't, you know, we ignore it all. And then it comes back. It kind of ebbs and flows. And he's saying, this is how you ought to regard these. You don't regard these people as nothing. He said, but regard us as servants of Christ. Now, the funny thing about that word servant is that word servant literally means somebody who is, the, the word actually means under rower, which is a weird word, under rower. Um, if you guys seen triremes, uh, those are those, those big Roman ships with all the, the rowers. Well, there were upper rowers and under rowers. The under rowers, you didn't want to be the under rower because everything goes downhill. Right, and so down. In other words, a person who he has said, "I am not just a servant, but I am the least of these. I am completely. I don't get to decide anything. He decides everything. We are servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries of God." Now, if you guys remember, which kind of mysteries? The mysteries that have been revealed. Now, I have a question: Is a mystery a mystery if it's been revealed? Okay, who are the people? I know some people who will read a mystery novel by reading the last chapter first. You're right, right? You know, it's like, isn't it not a totally different book if you read the last chapter first? Because there's no mystery, right? If the mysteries have been revealed, see, lack, mystery declares lack. There's something you don't know. Come to me for the revelation. But if the mysteries have been revealed, what mysteries have been revealed? He tells us in Colossians chapter 1. What is the mystery that all the world has been waiting for, look, daring to look into? It is the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you equals hope of glory. Christ, who is Christ? Jesus. Jesus, who is all the Son of God, who is in fact God. So God, God who created the universe, God. Uh, what's the word in English? Uh, All-powerful. God, right? 
the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God, right? God inside of you. Anybody, when you first realized that, your brain broke? And we get used to this, but we shouldn't. God in you. Not like God point oh 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 one, but God said the fullness of God was pleased to do on Christ, and the fullness of Christ dwells in you, Colossians 2 tells us. Christ in you. So what I would submit is we can unpack this for the rest of days. We don't need another revelation. This alone, this alone is a, he said, but he said, let me explain to you. He said, that is the hope of glory. Talked about this before. What does hope mean? In, in scripture, hope is not, Masha hates the word hope. She thinks, no, she does. She, she's, she just wants to rip it out of the Bible. Just we're pray, pray for her. No, uh, she's like, it's such a wimpy word. The word hope in scripture is not that word. The word hope is the first taste installment of a thing that reveals the fullness that is to come. We uh, got to celebrate a wedding accidentally last night. For many of you guys who were there, uh, Brent and Jill had a housewarming party and they secretly got married on the fly. Um, we, we made a... <laughs> It was fun. It was fun. We, 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 uh, we joked that it was an intervention. Uh, and we told them they had to get married. It was great. It was fun. It was planned, though. And, uh, but do you know, when they kissed, that was hope of the fullness that was to come. Hope is the kiss. It is a taste, an experience. If you were experiencing God's presence in worship, that was hope of the fullness that is to come. There is so much more. If you experienced a measure of healing in your body, that is a hope of the wholeness that he wants to bring to your soul, your finances, your mind, your relationships, every part of your body. That is what hope is. It is, a, it is the first taste of the fullness. But in the same way that it carries the exact same DNA of the whole thing. He said, Christ in you, the hope of what's glory. You were made in whose image? God. Now you have God on the inside to make you look like who he made you to look like. He does it for the work from the beginning to the end, from the outside to the inside to the... Christ in you, the promise that you will look like who he made you to look like himself. Christ in you, the hope, that taste of glory. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. You have all things. Why? Because you have Christ. And in Christ, you have all things. And, there, and he's on the inside, empowering you and giving you encounters and experiences that are just the tiniest first taste of the fullness that's coming. This is the mystery that's been revealed. And this, therefore, becomes the plumb line for all of Scripture. If you read Scripture and it causes you to believe that you lack something, you're reading it wrong. Because this is the plumb line of Scripture. Now it has been required that those who have been given a trust must be proved faithful. Who's he talking about? Who are the people given a trust? It is the... The... Uh, Servants, 
Okay, all right. Uh, ba ba It is uh, those who are the leaders. These, they've been given a trust and must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but what does that does not make me innocent? It is the Lord who judges me. Now, who here, there's two types of people. There's people who love judgment and people who hate it. Well, I know. I, well, I can just see by the triggers on your face. So all of us love judgment when it's directed at somebody else. And we hate it when it's directed at us. True? Okay. So the, let, me, let me change up that word judgment for you. Judgment, when Christ is revealed, anybody here had an encounter with Jesus and you suddenly realized everything in your life that was not the way he designed? When God comes, his very presence reveals what isn't of him. Not to shame us, but to deliver us, to reveal what's not of him. And so judgment, judgment is not it's not condemnation, it's revelation of an opportunity to choose God. And in that moment, that's what he's saying, but when hu- what's human judgment though? What does human judgment look like? Not good. Not good. Just, okay, what happens when, you ju- when you're judged by other people? What happens on the inside? You get wounded? Condemnation, shame. Get offended? Get defensive? Guilt, judge back, baby. Yeah, yeah. Turn about fair play. Come on, come on. Cause you to back up. You know, I'm not worthy. Come on. Human judgment causes me to retreat from others or attack, push others away. Right? It causes me to retreat from God. Divine judgment is an invitation to walk in the fullness that he's placed within me. He said, therefore, he's saying I'm not perfect. He said, I'm not perfect. I am not the measure of the gospel. That's why he said, don't follow me in that way. Follow him. Follow Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, therefore, judge nothing. By the way, what does nothing include? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing includes, includes everything, right? So nothing includes everything. Does it include the people you're sitting next to right now? <laughs> Loophole. <laughs> but I have a gift. I like to think of myself as quality control. Judge what? Nothing. We're all, we're all going to die. If I'm not there to help everybody understand where they're failing, (laughs) judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. Oh my gosh! We have to wait till Jesus comes? Now, when I read that first, what what do you think I thought? Wait till Jesus comes back. I'm like, this is going to be a mess. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like walking out of a kindergarten, uh, for those of you who have been, in, or a preschool, and taking the teacher out of the classroom, and we'll, we'll just wait till the teacher comes back in two hours. What's going to happen to that preschool? It's going to burn to the ground, right? And that's what I read that, that I was like, oh my gosh, if we have to wait till Jesus comes back, we're going to die, right? 
So that's okay, Jesus. Tag me in. I'll take care of the judgment for you, Lord. Who's tried that? Who's tried that? Who's tried to be God's good little boy or girl and help people understand all the ways they're screwing up in life? How did that work out for you? <laughs> they bit your hand, didn't they? <laughs> all right. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. What do you mean expose the motives of the heart? I already know why they did what they did. Who here has a gift for knowing the motives of other people's hearts? <laughs> I used to have a really good, and sometimes I can still be that way. And when I say good, I mean bad, right? Um, Jeremiah says, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? In other words, you don't know your own heart. How the heck are you going to figure somebody else's heart out? Oh, I know why they did what they did. Oh, yeah? Because True? No? No? Nobody? I, I had a very long, deep conversation with Jesus about this because I was very offended that he was taking away my personal favorite toy. And he said this to me. He said, he said Peter... When, when it means deceitful, it is many different motives. Anybody here, you have many, many different motives for every, anything you do? And one of them, maybe 5% of it might be that negative thing. But maybe 95% is Jesus. Maybe, 50, you know, I don't know. But what does the devil do? He looks at the 5% and says, see, you're sick. That 5%, you were just selfish. It was all about you. Only God knows the heart. When we were planning a church um, and we were meeting on Saturday nights, I was trying to figure out who was going to go with us when we planted on Sunday mornings. Because when you plan a church on Sunday mornings, people actually have to choose, right? Up to that point, most of our people were double dipping or triple dipping, right? And, and I was like, oh God, who will go with us? And I was so tempted to start to uh, help people with their decision-making process. Jesus said, I wouldn't do that. He said, because they're not decided yet. Their hearts are mixed. When the moment of choice comes, then their heart will be revealed. See, when God, when Christ is revealed, we have to make a choice. When Christ is revealed, we have to make a choice. And in that point, then our hearts are revealed. Well, what does that look like? We had a situation years ago not involving anybody in this room. Um, we were leading a, a small body and we had a woman in this group who was going around speaking in other, whispering in other ladies' ears horrible things, traumatizing things, terrifying the other ladies. To this day, I don't even know what they were. Maybe as a woman, I wouldn't have been terrified. I don't know. As a woman? Wait. Anyway, I'm confused. Moving on. I, it was, I mean, one woman after another is like, you got to do something about her. I'm like, I was like, give me something to work with here. Like, you know, I was like, well, would you like help in confronting her? Oh, no, no, she's too scary. I'm not going to do with it. I'm like, well, I can't come to you and say, she said this, but she won't say who she is. Many people say, anybody tried that? Everybody says. It's not, it's not, it doesn't work. Anyway, I was like, somebody please. So I was like, God, what do I do? And he said this. He said, pray that what she's doing in the dark will come to light. 
I was like, okay. Three days later, she had been somebody who was very careful to silo. In other words, make sure she never talked to more than one person at a time. So it always was she said, she said, right? You know what I mean? She, three days later, she hit reply all on a message to the entire body and vomited all kinds of foul foul things. I was like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And I, I called her up. I said, hey, let's talk about that email. I'm not going to talk about the last three months. Let's talk about that email. And the conversation changed in such a way. I was like, you have a tongue that God gave you that is powerful and anointed. And the degree to which it's powerful, it's been causing pain. And the person's like, I know. That's amazing. And I'm getting help. I said, that's awesome. Why don't you do this? You go get the help you need over at this other church you're talking about. And when you're whole and ready to come back and clean up your mess, we'd love to help you do that. Normally, when judgment comes from humans, it's a question of who's going to be offered on the, on the, on the, the altar of sacrifice, right? Who's going to die? You're, in this situation, God delivered her and delivered everybody else. When God reveals it, the grace comes to actually address it. You realize God's not afraid of sin, right? How do I know God's not afraid of sin? Because he died for it. He paid for it. He took it all. And also because he gave us free will knowing what we do with it. He's not afraid. He said, but... He said, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And I've got to tell you, the response of that woman in the moment was not the motive of the heart I expected. Anybody here, you play out the scenarios in your mind of confrontation? And then they say this, and then I roundhouse them. Hopefully not. I'm going to let you guys go through the rest of chapter four on your own, run out of time, but I think we've hit the high points. If we're going to walk together, we have to allow him to be the judge. And his presence, when he brings things into light, into the light, they become evident to all. They become dealt with. He gives people the opportunity. He is not willing that any should perish. He is more concerned about us not perishing than he is about keeping everything neat and clean and easy and nice. And so, I feel like I've opened a very large can of worms trying to figure out how to slide them back, uh, you know, leave you guys in one piece. Get a Ziploc bag. Get a Ziploc bag. Okay. Well, what I want to say this is, It comes back to this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is there any situation or problem that you are dealing with or anybody else is dealing with that Christ in you is not enough for? What happens is we get lured out of that place and then we start looking to mechanisms and techniques of manipulation and control to manage ourselves or other people. And that's when we get into trouble. Rather than 
you know, I talked about this, uh, another thing uh, before. Uh, anybody felt separated from somebody else? Like you're in a relationship, but you felt like there was a wall between you. You don't have to answer. I know the answer. So for the sake of inclusion, one will wear a skirt. Awesome. <laughs> So you have this, this wall between you, and, and anybody, now, if you feel like, uh, Masha and I had this problem in our relationship very early on, is I'm intense. I know that's a shock. I'm just trying to confess myself. Uh, but I'm intense, and I would get super intense with Masha, and what do you think Masha did when I got super intense? Back off. Back off, and begin to build a little wall of solitude to hide behind, right? Who are, who are my wall builders? <laughs> I can't see you, right? And here, so what happens if I see her building a wall, my intense people? Tear it down, baby. Come on. It's because I love you and I want to be with you, right? I'm going to destroy this wall. Now, if I'm taking a bazooka to this wall of solitude and safety that my bride is building, what do you think she is thinking at that moment? Stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> so all my efforts to renew our union are doing what? Not working at all, right? Not working at all. And so... Anybody, when you're dealing with a situation with someone, the more you work on it, the worse it gets? Because, see, the reality is our union is not here. Our union is not even in our conversation. Our union isn't in physical contact. Our union isn't in a, in a, in a whole myriad of things. Our union is in Christ. And if I will choose instead of trying to become one with you, to destroy every barrier that stands between us, if I will discover Christ in me and she discovers Christ in her, guess what? We'll discover we're one. I'll give you an example. Anybody had the argument? And by the argument is I mean it's over argument. Like, you don't see any way to walk back from that with a friend or with a spouse. Blink twice. Do you know the terror and the hopelessness and the fear you experience in that moment? It's over. There's no hope. Anybody here, you walked away, you, you, you decided in that moment not to do the nuclear option. Because when you feel that, who are my people? You're like, if we're going down, let's just make it real. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, if we're going down, I just might as well kill us both, right? In that moment, if you choose not to do that nuclear option, you step away and you say, God, I can't. Have you ever, anybody here seen God show up and do something that you never expected? He did a different solution that you never could have seen. See, that's you reverting to Christ in you going, God, I can't. And he goes, I knew. At which point were you going to realize that? I can't. I can't. That's the, that's the female side. I can't. And in that moment, discovering Christ is our unity. Christ. See, 
And suddenly the walls don't become a matter. In fact, Masha now, if she builds a wall, I let her have her wall because it's obvious she needs it. No. Yeah. Oh, you, you look like she looked, she was full of pith and vomit. To, to dig you out from this hole. Somebody's got to. You gotta, can you save these people? I think I've killed them. Oh, my goodness. Um, I feel like we have learned in this place of believing that there is Christ in me, that I can become stronger and I can show up, mm-hmm. and that because Christ is in you, you can become less, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you can, like, give me space and let me show up, right? So this thing... She can take a brick out of the wall and pull through. <laughs> I back up. Well, but the more we're growing into our identity of who we are, we're recognizing that both of us are powerful, right, in this relationship, and that both of us get to show up, that it's not just your ideas or my ideas or my way or your way or whatever, that there is something there in the middle that we can walk out of. And I feel like we have, I mean, we're still hashing it out, like we have not arrived, you know what I mean? (laughs) But I feel like we are so much further than we have been, right? Because, yeah, the, the whole my wall... I would just literally, he would want to keep verbally processing. I would be like, the book would be here. And it would be just like, <laughs> I'm in there. Like, no, like you can't verbally process anymore. You can't. <laughs> but for me to do that, I had to give her to Jesus. I had to trust Jesus to resolve whatever was happening. Yes. And it's scary on both sides, right? Yeah. And it takes trust. And yeah. I felt like I feel like when we first got together and we have walked it out every step of the way, is that we have to trust Jesus in each other. And guys, this isn't just about marriages. This is about friendships. This is even with bosses. I've had bosses where I'm like, and, and you're like, but they're not even saved. Jesus talked to Nebuchadnezzar, Ahimelech, Pharaoh. He can work. But uh, God, I trust you with them. I don't have to manipulate, dominate, or control them for me to be okay. I am choosing to dive into you and discovering Christ in me is enough. And that if, it, if, he, if there's union, that he can ma- bring the union that is needed. A union where we're both different, but we're united through Christ, not by you agree with me. Anybody had this? We're having a fight. Well, one of us has to agree with the other. And apparently you're going to be agreeing with me. Right? And, it, and it makes for this relationship where only one person gets to be powerful, right? I feel like this is what we're pressing in, like us, in our body, in all of the relationships where people can show up and be powerful in the relationship, right? It's not just like, okay, you sit down, <laughs> you know, I'm powerful or you are powerful, but it's both of us. We have something that we bring Come on. And we hash it out and we meet in the middle. Well, not even in the middle. Sometimes it's... it's, We meet here. (laughs) Yeah, we meet in Christ, you know? And so, uh, as I said last week, uh, so many of the problems I've attempted to solve in life turned out not to have been problems before I tried to solve them and make them problems. Um, uh, So, yeah, if we can have the worship team come Monster, maybe you can resurrect some people. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Okay, let's just close our eyes right now and just, um, let's stand and close our eyes. <laughs> so let's stand. Um, whew, Jesus, as you are bringing up um, 
situations and issues that we are absolutely unable to resolve. Thank you, Jesus, that you live in, on the inside of us. And in, on the inside of us, there is all wisdom and understanding. I just ask that your wisdom and understanding and your solutions um, will just start coming to the surface. Jesus, that we will know um, what to do, um, what is the ba next baby step in each particular situation where we have come to the end of ourselves, where we don't know how to move forward. Jesus, we just give you our judgments, we give our prejudgments, we give you our preconceived notions. And Jesus, we just um, open ourselves up for a new thought. Yes. We open ourselves up for a new idea. We open, I, I, feel like, I feel like with a lot of people, uh, it's job situations right now. We're just going around like um, situations at jobs in, um, in places uh, where you've been just stuck. And I feel like there is just a supernatural idea of how to go forward. It's coming. Um, you, you're just getting it right now, receiving it during worship. Uh, for marriages, there is just a way forward coming in of how to get, get your voice back, of how to uh, communicate. Um, in friendships, there is just a breakthrough that's coming. In parenting, in parenting. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that right now, supernatural ideas are coming for parenting and for communication, for um, kids communicating to parents and for parents communicating to kids. Thank you, Jesus, that you, Christ in us, is the hope of glory, that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness, that every idea, every wisdom for every relationship is already on the inside of us. We just ask you that it will come to the surface as we worship right now. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.